God, we, uh, we want to hear from you today. Um, we want to every day. We want to every Sunday. And um, today being Easter, we just say again, we want to hear you. We want to hear from you. We want to hear what you want to say to us. Um, we want you to hear us, but we also want to hear what your spirit might be challenging us, confronting us, comforting us, whatever your spirit wants to do in each of our individual lives, um, would, would, you have, would you know that we want to give you freedom to do that, and would you give us the courage to respond to become the life-giving boys, girls, men, women that you've designed us to be? And we ask this all in Christ's name, amen. Uh, hey, this morning, I, uh, I was sitting downstairs, and I had a different way I was going to start this morning, and then this morning something happened, I was gonna ch- I'm going to change it. My seven-year-old son, David, came down and sat on my lap, and he always gets up earlier than everybody else, and I'm always trying to get my sermon finished at the last minute, and he comes down and sits on my lap, so I have, you know, I have to kind of juggle being a dad with being, you know, whatever. So. And he's like, Dad, he sits on my lap, and he said, Dad, why do we celebrate Easter? And I said, well, it's, you know, because, you know, he knows the eggs and the bunnies, and we try to show him Easter videos and read the... Easter story, Easter videos about the real Easter story, not bunny stories. I mean, he'll see those too, but so he knows Easter is different. So I said, well, we remember not only Jesus' death, but his resurrection. Then he goes, well, what about Christmas? Why do we celebrate Christmas? So he's going to go through the whole list of holidays now. Well, we celebrate, you know, well, Jesus, was he really born that day? And I said, well, no, it's a day we kind of remember his birth. What about what about St. Valentine's Day, Dad? I was like, oh, no, I don't know. Well, that's, it's Valentine. St. Valentine was a man years ago in Europe. He loved God, he loved Jesus, and he loved encouraging people. And so it become that. We don't really, most people don't know that today, but that's why we, in the Valentine's Day. So, that's okay. so I'm thinking, okay, hope, hopefully we're done with the holidays. Dad, what about Earth Day? <laughs> why do we celebrate Earth Day? And I was like, you know what? That's not a Bible thing, David. So I don't know, I, I mean, you know. Blah, 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 and then he was done, all right? Um, and I'm glad he didn't go through, you know, St. Patrick's Day and 4th of July and Casimir Pulaski Day or whatever days he have in the... Sh- How many people are from the Chicago area and got off of school for Casimir Pulaski Day, all right? He was some kind of a Polish officer for the Americans, and I don't know what it was, but I always get a kick out of the fact that, that... So, How many people got off of school on Columbus Day, by the way? I grew up in Columbus, Indiana. We did not get off school on Columbus Day, all right? Unfair. So the question, again, the question was, uh, what does this holiday mean? And it's not, not unlike for a young child, or any of us, even adults, to say, what does this holiday mean? What, what does it mean? And this was not unlike what would have happened centuries ago, because in the Old Testament, we're told of a time where children would come to their parents, and it was on the Passover celebration, and they would ask their parents, what does this ceremony mean? They had the same kind of inquisitive that our kids do today and that we do as adults. Because when Jewish children were coming into, their, coming into the, day of the Passover celebration day, they knew things were different. You know, no chocolate Easter eggs. or th- I mean, there was something, I'm sure maybe something equivalent. Um, but they knew something was different. In Exodus chapter 12, you know, God tells the people, this is after they, they had already, they'd gotten out of Egypt, they were getting ready to kind of head toward the promised land. This is just kind of a typical kind of picture of what a uh, Passover celebration would have been like. But God says to them, you know, when you leave the land, I want you to celebrate this Passover every year. God even said, it's, it's a law. 
you have to do this. And then he said, and you do these, and he told them, you know, you, you roast the lamb. You don't break its bones, you roast the lamb. You make, you make bread without yeast, kind of tip of, uh, symbolizing the fact that God's people had to leave Egypt in a hurry and didn't have time for the yeast to rise. Um, you, you eat bitter herbs because you want to symbolize the bitterness of our slavery in Egypt. So this was all part of this special meal, and, and so God knew how kids think. And he said, so when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean? You'll know what to tell them. You, you can help them remember why we do this. And, and it's kind of, in a sense, this, this question below is the question that is still even asked today, Jewish Passover celebrations, but it was, it's centuries old, same kind of form as the first one, but why is this night different from all other nights? That's what the Jewish child was asking when they show up on Passover and they knew something was special. That's what my son was asking today about Easter. That's what sometimes we ask about Easter. Why is this different than all other days? Why is this night different than other nights? Because they knew there was something special. I mean, how many of you, I'm not going to ask for a raise, raise of hands, how many of you probably thought, well, am I supposed to dress up on Easter? Do I do something different on Easter? It's, it's different, but how is it different and why does it make a difference in 2011? So, so then the, the Jewish father, or whoever was leading the Passover meal, would begin to unpack the story of the Exodus. Because every time a Passover celebration happened, typically the youngest child present, who was able to speak or to read, asked the question, why is this night different from all other nights? All right, say that with me. Why is this night different from all other nights? So think right now of your family, your extended family, and where the youngest would be that could speak out loud, and they were to ask, why is this night different from all other nights? That's how the meal would start. And then the father would, and others would kind of chime in, and they would retell the story of the Exodus. And they would go back to Exodus chapter 6, and they would tell the story when, when Moses says to the people, this is before they left Egypt too. This is when you know, Moses was trying to get them to leave. And the Egyptian pharaohs said, well, because of this, you're going to start making bricks without straw. And it got worse and worse and worse. And they had been slaves for 400 years. And now it's getting worse. Oppression was heavy, heavy, heavy. And this is what Exodus 6 says. Therefore, say to the people of Israel. Again, this would be something that the father of the Passover meal would be recounting to the children in Passover year after year after year. Decade after decade, century after century for the Jewish people, all right? This is something that was recounted every year, that Moses would say, Therefore say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I will free you from your oppression, and I will rescue you from your slavery in Egypt. I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. I will claim you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you'll know that I am the Lord your God. He has freed you from your oppression. All right? So there's four promises that, that are repeated as part of the Passover celebration. God said, I'm going to free you from your oppression. I'm going to rescue you from your slavery. I'm going to redeem you with a powerful arm, and I'm going to claim you as my own people. So Moses is telling this to the people. This is right before they get ready to leave Egypt. This is before the plagues happened. And that was interesting. What happens next is, so Moses says this to the people, trying to get them to realize, hey, God's going to, he's going to free us. He's going to rescue us. He's going to redeem us. He's going to claim us. And then the text says, uh, but the people refused to listen anymore because they had become too discouraged by the brutality of their slavery. So here Moses, and again, this is a story being recounted to people. Moses is telling, hey, we're going to leave. We're going to leave Egypt. We're going to leave soon. And, you know, it's kind of like you hear somebody speaking in front of this large crowd, and they're like, yeah, yeah, right, Moses, right. Yeah, right. You don't have to do the straw thing we do. You don't have to do the bricks we do. 
right, Moses. They were too discouraged by the brutality of their slavery. Now, back up for a second. Think about some of you even coming to church on a Sunday morning like Easter or any Sunday or even doing the anything, the Christian thing. There are some times where your internal reaction is, yeah, right. I'm, right now I'm just too discouraged by the weight of the stuff in my life. So we can relate to that. So Moses was to tell these people these four promises of God. You know, I'm going to free you. I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to call you my own. And they're just like, yeah, right. And then God actually brings the plagues on, ends with the plague of the Passover plague where they were told, put the blood on your doorposts from the lamb, and I'm going to pass over your home. But every other home in the land of Egypt, the firstborn child, the firstborn dog, cat, cow, donkey, everything is going to die. But if I see blood, I'm going to pass over you. So the Jewish father every year is telling this story to the the whole family. And the child had asked the question, you know, why is this night different than other nights? And he's telling them it's different because on this night we remember. We remember what God did. We remember his promises. We remember, and they had four cups. It was a four-cup kind of meal with the four promises. I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to free you. I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to claim you as my own people. So there was this, this kind of pattern to the whole meal about cup number one, cup number two, cup number three, cup number four. And there was all the other questions like, well, and these, these scripted questions. Why is this night different than other nights? Why do we eat bread this night without yeast? Why do we eat herbs this night that are bitter? And it was because they were in a hurry. They didn't have time for the yeast to ride because they left their freedom quickly. It was a reminder of our bitter slavery, the bitter herbs. Another question that a child would ask is, why do we recline on this night at Passover? Because the tradition was you lay on, sit on the floor when you eat the Passover meal. And the answer was because those who are free recline at the table. Those who are slaves and servants stand, and we are no longer slaves. So the essential answer to the question of why is this night different from all other nights is because we were slaves, and now we're slaves no longer. That was woven into the fabric of every Jewish girl, boy, man, woman, grandpa, and grandpa. Why is this night different from any other night? Because we were once slaves and now we are no more. It was all about remember our freedom, remember our freedom. We were once slaves and now we are no more. So year after year after year after year, the Passover was celebrated. Now it's interesting to note it wasn't celebrated at all during their 40-year wandering. But literally, right after they get into the promised land, God says, now start it up again, and, and it's every year you do it, because you need to remember these promises, all right? So you're Jewish men, women, boys, and girls, and that's been bred into you every year. Why is this night different than any other night? Because we were once slaves and we are no more. Why is this night different than every other night? Because we were once slaves, but we are no more, all right? Fast forward now. Luke chapter 22. It's the night that we often call the Last Supper. All right. Um, going into it, no one knew it was the Last Supper except Jesus. Going into it, the disciples just thought it was another Passover celebration. They had no idea that this night was going to be different from all other nights. They kind of sensed something might be up, but they had no idea. And so Jesus... In Luke chapter 22, we're told what happens on this particular Passover night, which again, put yourself in the position of these disciples. 
as far as they knew, it was just going to be another Passover night. Yeah, Jesus seemed a little bit antsy. He kind of used some weird language lately about suffering and dying. But this is just Passover. So it's the same thing all over again. Why is this night different than any other night? Well, because we were slaves and we are no more. So Luke chapter 22, this is what we read. Now the festival, verse 7, of unleavened bread arrived when the Passover lamb is sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John ahead and said, go and prepare the Passover meal so we can eat it together. So they had to get the lamb, the bitter herbs, the unleavened bread, the cups of wine, forever, forever, how many people they had, 13, whatever. All right. Where do you want us to prepare it, they asked him. He replied, as soon as you enter Jerusalem, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him. At the house he enters, say to the owner, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? He will take you upstairs to a large room that is already set up. That's where you should prepare the meal. They went off to the city and found everything just as Jesus said, and they prepared the Passover meal there. So they're doing the same thing. The disciples, we don't know exactly, but some of them may have been as young as 17 or 18. Some of them may have been as old as 30-ish. So then the same thing. Some of them have done for, you know, 18, 19, 25 years. We do Passover meal. This is how we do it. I see my dad do it before. He puts the lamb here. He gets these kind of herbs. He gets the wine at this store. He gets these kind of cups or whatever. They, but again, they knew something was different, but yet they didn't know. But because it's just Passover. It's the same. Why is this, night, why is this Passover night different than any other Passover nights? All right. So when the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. And Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For, now I, te- for I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Now some are probably th- starting to think, what's he talking about? This, he's not following the script here. Because Jesus is saying, this is the last time I'm going to eat this meal with you till the meaning is fulfilled. What's the meaning of the meal? Why is this night different than the other night? Because we were slaves and we're slaves no more. So the meaning is going to be fulfilled somehow differently. But they, had no, they still had no idea what he was talking about. So Jesus would have taken the, the, the head of family role. That's why he was at the head of the table. And he would have led through the cups of wine, the bread, the bitter herbs all the recitations and questions. Some people think since John was most likely the youngest disciple, John would have been the one that started off by asking the question, the scripted question, why is this night different from all other nights? And Jesus and the others would have responded in the proper kind of traditional cultural way. They responded in recounting the four promises of deliverance, of freedom that God had given to his people from Israel. So up until this point, the disciples are experiencing what they think is somewhat of a, it's a normal Passover, but something's different, but they can tell it's going to be way different pretty soon. Then it says, Jesus took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. So he takes wine cup number one, as every Jewish head of family would do on Passover, and he offers a blessing, blessed art thou, O Lord God of the universe. Blessed art thou, God, Lord God of the universe, who brings this fruit of the vine who brings us to this day. We've, you know, we've made it through another year. It's kind of this over and over, and he would have done that. That's what he did right here. He blessed. It was the typical blessing of Passover. Then he said, take this and share this among yourselves. This, this wasn't the communion cup yet. This was the cup of blessing. Take this and share this among yourselves. I will, for I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. 
Then he took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Again, this would have been bread that would have been unleavened. And somebody would have asked the question, probably John, why do we eat unleavened bread on this night? It was kind of a subset of the why is this night different? And Jesus or someone would have responded, because when we left our slavery and oppression, we had to leave, leave with speed. There was no time for yeast to raise the dough. It was always reminding them of the story of freedom. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to his disciples. And then Jesus broke the script. And he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. And at this point, some of the disciples were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. My dad never broke the script like this, Jesus. What are you doing? That's not part of the script. That's not part of the Passover script. But of course, nobody interrupted Jesus and said that. But they're all thinking, okay, I thought Passover script went this way. Jesus just took a left turn. Because now he's talking about this is my body, given her for you. Do this. And what's Jesus saying to do? Remember. Because every Jewish boy, girl, man, and woman, especially his disciples, would have known the whole purpose of the Passover meal was to remember what? We were slaves once, but we are slaves no more. So Jesus says, do this to remember me. Then it says, after supper, after he had gone through the other kind of, all the different scripted meals, although he broke script in one place, after supper, he took another cup of wine and said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. Jesus broke script again here. That's not what you're supposed to say with cup number two or whichever one it was. Now he's saying, this is the cup of my blood. It's the new covenant. Because the covenant before from God was, I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to set you free. I'm going to break your oppression. And I'm going to call you my people. That was the four promises of the Exodus that the people said, yeah, whatever, we're too discouraged. That was the four promises of the Exodus represented by the four cups. And then Jesus says with one of the cups, no, this is now the cup of a new covenant. It's my blood that confirms the covenant that God's always made. It just confirms it in a fuller way. And now the disciples, if you're one of the disciples, you're sitting there and you're, I was going to say you're rocking in your chair, but they weren't in chairs. They were sitting on the floor, remember? That's how they celebrate. So they're probably kind of, probably whispering to each other. And if you remember, uh, Peter wanted John to ask Jesus, hey, tell, ask him which one of us is going to betray him. Because Jesus already made some comments about somebody's going to betray him. So Peter wanted John to kind of go break the script, to throw another question in there. But as far as we know, that didn't, we don't know how that exactly worked out. But this is, so they're going through this, and they, something's now really different. They're sensing the heaviness that Jesus felt. And he says, this, do this to remember me. And then after supper, he took another cup of wine. He says, this cup is a new cup. And again, do this to remember me. Now, here's the question of the day. So why is this meal different from any other Passover meal? And then Jesus has this statement that if you grew up in any kind of traditional church, where did you always see this statement? Etched where? The communion table. Big wooden tables or you know, big altars, whatever, do, or in remembrance of me, or, you know, could have been King James language or whatever. Do this in remembrance of me. But the question begs the question, what exactly are we supposed to remember? Because let me suggest two options, and let me suggest that some of us often take a direction on this. It was not Jesus' intention. Some of us think, okay, what we're supposed to remember is 
the brutality of his death, the blood, the whipping, the torture, uh, the crown of thorns, the ugliness of it all. And on top of that, we're supposed to remember that it was all our fault. And if we go that route, we kind of look at Good Friday and Easter and even communion on a regular basis this time we're supposed to feel heavy and somber. Now, reverent and respectful and alive, yes, but somehow we've turned into this, at least some of us in our experiences growing up in churches, it becomes this heavy, somber time where we're supposed to feel the weight of our sins and what caused Jesus to hurt so much. Now, please understand, his death and his punishment and his torture and the blood and the ripping of his flesh, that is part of the story, and it's an essential part of the story. But when they were celebrating Passover, yes, they remembered their oppression of their slavery, but they were, what they were really remembering was the, the way of freedom. So remembering slavery was important. Remembering the blood and the cross is important. But I've had, I've had people, and I, I think I used to think this way, where, who, who will say, well, I, I, I can't take communion this week. Oh, why not? I didn't have a very good week. So I don't know what that means. And you've, some of you probably thought that before. I probably shouldn't take this week. I, I fought with my wife on the way to church this morning or whatever. Um, I knew one guy who was addicted to pain medication. I really can't take communion because I can't seem to break this addiction. And somehow we've turned communion into this something that we've had. If we have enough, if we've earned enough points for that week, we get a prize because we've earned it. And we've turned communion into this, sometimes, into this thing we have to earn by having a good week. And let's just get, let's just get out in the open now. If communion is only for those who's worthy to have had a good week, then nobody comes. Nobody goes. None of us have had a worthy, spot-free, clean week. None of us. So if what he wanted us to remember was not the heavy picture where the whole picture is about death and, his, and our sin and our brokenness, then what does he want us to remember? Is there another way we're supposed to approach not only communion, but supposed to approach Jesus? Well, let's go back to the Passover. What were they supposed to remember? Why is this night different from all other nights? Well, we once were slaves, but we are no more. And the promise is the promise of deliverance, the promise of rescue, the promise that he would claim us as his own, the promise he would release us from slavery. It's the promises he wants us to remember. Because communion is not a privilege you've earned, it's a provision provided for those of us who know we're broken and we need to remind it of the promises so we can continue to head toward the promised land. Otherwise, we're stuck in Egypt the rest of our lives. And some of us who have been followers of Christ for years probably feel like there's times where we're still wandering right around the Egyptian border because I just can't quite get, I can't get a hold of this. And the, the young man that said he wouldn't take communion because he was addicted to pain pills... I told him, I said, you should be the first one to the table. 
I mean, it's like telling somebody who's, who's sick in the hospital, hey, um, when you, and, and, you're not, and you decide not to feed him any food, hey, when you get over this sickness, then we'll give you some food. Well, no, you give them the food because that helps them get well. well. And so you, we go to the table because it's provision to remind us of who we are and the promises that God gave us. So you don't hold yourself in the table. I, I had one guy tell me, he was a guy that grew up in a Catholic church and had long-term Catholic, and he said he had been divorced years ago. And I, he, I don't know all the details of the divorce. He didn't tell me. But I could tell he felt kind of broken about it. And he said, yeah, I haven't taken communion since. I was like, really? He goes, yeah, everybody tells me I should, but I just don't think I deserve it anymore because I'm divorced. And I said, you know, you ought to take communion sometime. I don't think, I mean, you need this. You need Jesus. You need the grace and mercy of God. You need the healing of God in your life. You need the forgiveness of Jesus in your life. You need the redemption of Jesus in your life, whether you're divorced, addicted to pain pills, or addicted to shopping, or addicted to work. We need this. And so when Jesus says, do this to remember me, he's saying, remember the promises. Remember what I came to do. Remember what I came to say. Remember what kind of people I came to make you to be. And then remember, go to the next one, the, the promise he made in Luke chapter 4, which again, hear this in the context of the Passover stripped every year, year after year, and what they're remembering. And Jesus, when he first stepped on the scene, Luke chapter 4, one of his first kind of public preaching moments in the, in the regular uh, Jewish kind of regular kind of daily kind of service, he was asked, it was his turn as an adult male to read from the Old Testament script. And we don't know if it was always chosen for that day or I think he, he, he may have just chosen on his own. He took, put to this type, went to the script and the scroll in the book of Isaiah and he read this passage. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he anointed me to preach good news to the poor. All right, now as I'm reading this, also hear the story of the Exodus in the background and the freedom of the Exodus. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed and to proclaim the year the Lord's favor has come. And then it said when he sat down, every eye in the temple was fixed on him because there was like, whoa, we've heard this before. Like every year at Passover, we hear this is the promise of God. Whoa. And then Jesus says, today, this has been fulfilled in your hearing. And then they're all like, whoa. He's saying something about himself here. I've heard this story before in the Passover since I was a kid. And now he's saying it's him. He's the one who's going to f- bring fuller meaning. Remember he said, we won't, I won't eat this meal with you until the meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he doesn't mean, I won't drink wine again until Jesus comes back at the end of time. I think he's thinking about the very next time he saw them when he after rose from the dead. Because the kingdom had already begun. A whole new way of living had already begun. A whole new kind of power for you and me to live, to be set free, to be rescued, to be called friends of God was, was set in motion. So on Easter Sunday today, I woke up this morning and like I said, earlier in the week, if somebody would have said, Why is, how is this Sunday different from other Sundays? I actually told my brother this on the phone. He goes, well, are you getting all ready for Easter? And I said, oh, it's just another Sunday. 
And then I kind of felt rebuked by God when I was looking over this sermon the last couple of days, and I thought, no, it's not just another Sunday. I mean, no, we don't need to necessarily pretend we're something we're not. But it's not just another Sunday. And this table is not just another table. I mean, it's not just a table you and I have at home set for this afternoon or lunchtime or where are you going out to eat or whatever. There's something different, not just on Easter, but this, this table is different every time you come to the table. It's, it's a different kind of table because Jesus is the one who serves us. Jesus says, I'm, I will not drink wine again until I drink with you in the kingdom. So in essence, he's with us today as we drink this new reality, new power, new understanding that he's going to deliver us. And that's what we do today. That's why today is a day like no other. Not just because of Easter eggs or Easter dresses or Easter haircuts or whatever Easter things you do. I almost wore a tie today, believe it or not, just to be something different, but I just, I didn't. <laughs> I'm not sure if I can remember how to tie it. You know, I was like, oh, how do we do that? No, but I almost did because I thought I need to remind myself that today is a different kind of day because I need to remember. I need to think of those things in my life and those times in my life where God has delivered me from stupidity of my own choosing. And I need to remember that even as I walk through the rest of my life and the rest of this week and the rest of this day and the rest of this decade that he is still, his promise is, he will deliver me, he will set me free from oppression, and he calls me his friend. I need to be reminded of that in a heightened way at least once a year. I probably need it every day. But at least once a year we need to heighten that a bit. So as we come to the table this morning, and everyone's welcome. Everyone who would say, I want the reality and the power and the promise of the resurrected Jesus in my life. Perfection is not the standard. Now, if you are in some kind of, I've said this before, if you're in some kind of resistant to God, I will not stop doing this kind of pattern of sin, then it's to your benefit that you not come forward. And if you don't come forward, nobody's going to single you out. Nobody's going to try to guess what's going on with you. Maybe you just got bad knees and you can't walk up this morning. So nobody's going to try to figure that out. So don't, don't fake it just to kind of avoid you know, being different. If that's you, then for your own benefit, don't take. But everybody's welcome. Everybody's welcome. Um, every sinner is welcome. Everybody who's had a bad week, everybody who's had at least, and not all of us have scored 100% this week. So 99%ers are welcome, 95%ers are welcome, 50%ers are welcome. As long as you're saying to Jesus, I need the power of the resurrection in me because I know the kind of person I want to be and it's the kind of person you want me to be. So uh, in a minute, when the, the band will come up here and we'll sing a few more songs. And what we do with Community Access, if you're new here, if you're visiting uh, with family for Easter, when we start singing, everybody, you're welcome to come on up. We don't dismiss my rows. We don't come and pass it to you. Um, and there'll be somebody each of the aisles, somebody holding the cup, somebody holding the bread they offer you the bread uh, tear off the bread and then just dip it in the cup All right, don't try to drink out of the cup just how we do it here, dip it in the cup some people eat it right away some people take it back to their seat and eat it um, but it's your own preference at the same time over the side there's a room that says prayer and there are people that are willing to pray for you alright um, I'm going to ask the question 
why is this day different than any other day? And I want all of you to respond, because we once were slaves, but are slaves no longer. All right, got that? Because we once were slaves, and are slaves no longer. All right? Why is this day different than every other day? Because we once were slaves, and are slaves no longer. Jesus, we believe that with all of our hearts, that we once were slaves, but we are no longer slaves. We are no longer slaves to sin. That's what your word tells us. doesn't mean we're perfect, perfected beings, but we are no longer slaves to sin. So this day, this table, and the life of Jesus is unlike any other day, any other table, or any other life. Because it's a life that was taken by his own accord, and it was a life that was resurrected by your power. So this is not an ordinary thing we do here, because we need to remember um, that we were once slaves, but now you say we are no longer. And we're grateful, and we're thankful, and we ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.